You are listening to the Catholic Recon Podcast, testimonies from Catholic reverts and converts. I'm your host, Eddie Trask. Don't forget to leave a review and enjoy this week's episode. Good evening or good <laughs> good afternoon. I just realized Mark and I, it's it's late at night for us here, but uh, by this time by the time this airs, it's in the afternoon. But anyway, uh, welcome to Catholic Recon Testimonies from Reverts and Converts. I'm your host, Eddie Trask, and this week's guest is a literal neighbor of mine, uh, Mark Valencia, who I met probably a few months ago. Uh, Mark, let me just say hi and thank you for agreeing to be on the show. Well, thank you for having me, and it's uh, it's an honor to be on your show, and I just hope that, uh, you know, our conversation can help as many people as possible. Uh, agreed. So Mark and I have so many things in common, um, not just the fact that we moved from California, but we were in the Bay Area in California at one point, and now we find ourselves as neighbors in Idaho. Um, Mark... I would, I think the best thing to do, like we do with all on all episodes, is just to go back to where you think it's relevant, the beginning of your journey, um, and we'll just go from there. Okay. So, um, as Eddie said, I'm, my name is Mark Valencia. I'm originally from San Jose, California, Diocese of San Jose. Um, I am the youngest of five boys and one special needs girl. Um, my mother and father both devout Catholics. My father passed away um, of prostate cancer in 96, 1996. And um, I think the best place to start, well, I'm, I'm a revert, so I would classify, classify myself as a revert. Um, I went to Catholic school from kindergarten to eighth grade. Um, and then I kind of just did my own thing, wandered off college and you know, kind of just did my own thing. Um, and then, um, it was a point in my life where I, I was be I felt the pull of, of Jesus Christ really. And, um, I started questioning what, you know, um, my faith basically, you know, I didn't really practice it anymore. And I really wanted to know if this was the truth. And so, uh, that began a journey of me going through RCIA. And at that point in my life, I was about 34, maybe 33. And um, I, I, for some, for whatever reason, I never received the sacrament of confirmation. And so I, I began that process. So that process actually kickstarted another really, I guess you could say healing process of what happened. Why did I veer off? And, um, you know, as, as I started reflecting and meditating and praying over it, I, um, I discovered that it had to do with, unfortunately, um, it was in the news, um, what was about three or four years ago, pretty, pretty heavily with the McCarrick scandal. Um, I had uh, two older brothers who were uh, abused by a priest in the Diocese of San Jose. And um, I didn't know about this. So this happened before I was born. Um, and I didn't, I wasn't told this information until I was about 14, 15 years old by my father. And, to protect, um, to protect you or? Yeah, I, I do believe it was to protect me on multiple levels. I think he didn't want, um, he didn't want us, I have another brother, my brother, Paul, 
um, to be, um, we didn't want the toxicity of that whole event to cloud our faith. So I think he made the best decision. We decided to wait until we were of a certain age to, to kind of grasp it, right? And so, um, but what happened is that, that, so I have, so in order, I have an older brother, my brother, David, and it's my brother, um, Joseph Jr., Gabriel, um, my brother, Paul, and then myself, and then my sister is actually the second oldest. Um, and so the two brothers that, you know, this happened to, um, they really went off the deep end into drugs and alcohol and stuff like that. So for many, I mean, as anyone who knows who's um, in those type of families who, who deal with that, the substance abuse, the, I mean, it's, it's horrific, you know? And so growing up, I grew up with that um, drug abuse, seeing my brothers going, being on drugs high, the fights between my father and, and you know, uh, my brothers, my mother crying, you know? So um, let's put that in, um, like, terms of age are your brothers at this time like late teens or something and you're 10 or what were the ages there you're so, describing it as horrific and i can imagine being a, yeah. a youngster going through that i mean all i knew growing up was that so from the from basically from the point from my earliest memory all i remember is is um my brothers being on drugs and everything that was involved with that my brothers are probably roughly between the ages of um, 18 through like above. So, for, you know, that's roughly, right? I'm not really good at, but so look, from, ab from about 18 years old onward, and my brothers are now in their 50s, or actually maybe even their 60s now. So, you know, we're talking really decades of this. And um, it just, it really, it was, to say it was difficult is an understatement. Um, the thing that kept us together was obviously our faith. And I know it sounds cliche and stuff, but my father was a devout Catholic. We would pray the rosary every night. We were always praying for my brothers. And I just, I, you know, you're young. You don't really understand. Like I, I wanted justice. I wanted to know why I wasn't my father in my eyes at the time doing more to protect me. And so I grew up with a lot of resentment, a lot of anger towards my brothers and it wasn't until now flash forward to um, my RCIA and my confirmation that I started understanding the, the redemptive nature, you know, the, the salvific message. And so I started putting that together and it was, it was amazing because um, it wasn't until then that I, that I could truly see God's mercy and how it was really working back then, but obviously now. And um, why my father did some of the things that he did or didn't do, you know, uh, it was it was um, it was really eye opening. And to this day, even now with my own kids, I see things that my father did or didn't do. Um, it makes more sense, you know. And I kind of um, it, it's funny because I I'm, I'm one of the things I like to study is Our Lady of Fatima. And um, as Sister Lucia said, the final battle will be between the Lord and the reign of uh, saying will be over the family, right? And so I started seeing all that. And I was like, wow, I, I can definitely see 
some tangible evidence of how um, you know evil you know is is permeated through destruction of the family. But I also saw uh, the Lord's merciful hand over us all the time. Like we always would get to that edge, and we would be pulled back. And I was like, you know, I mean that was that was rough though because you know growing up being so small and and seeing that it's just it was it was. Um, it was very difficult. It, I don't want to make it just about me. It was very difficult to see what happened, how that, how, or I should say, how that affected like my mother, because it's very close to my mother. She's still alive. Um, and so that really, um, that was really difficult to see that with my other brothers. I have another brother who um, I would say attribute a lot of his anger towards, you know, what happened early in life. I mean, what he went through, what he saw, so he's a little older than me. So, um, and how, how old were you when your father eventually told you what had happened to your older brothers? And it's kind of a obvious answer, but like, how did that make you feel? It must've been, um, bittersweet, uh, (laughs) very odd. Yeah. it, It was like, um, it's hard to describe. I mean, because there were so many different emotions and thoughts that were going on at that time. But you see, I grew up from, I mean, like I said, from the earliest age of, of my recollection, really growing to hate my brothers, those two, especially I hated them because they represented pain and, and my mom crying and my father fighting and just whenever we would just have sometimes just a, an inkling of some peace, they would disturb it. And so I, I, the resentment was, it was huge. I wanted to, um, I wanted to destroy that and obviously destroy them. And it was, it was really bad. And then, so when my father told me that I felt an enormous sense of guilt because I was like, Oh, now it makes sense. Like, I, I was like, I, I had to now all of a sudden deal with all these, you know, different feelings and thoughts. Like I had to put in my little mind, I wasn't like 14, 15 years old. I had to kind of put that together and say, okay, well, but I don't want to excuse it. It's like, I, I get it, but, but it does. It's like, I, it was hard. I, I just didn't yeah, have. That's, kind of, that's why I, I used the wrong word. I said, bittersweet, only, only good meaning, you know, where the anger was coming from. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so exactly. At least you knew that there was a source why they were acting out like that. But anyway, go ahead. Yeah. It, and so it was very difficult. I, I that lasted um, for years. And I mean, I still deal with that actually to this day. My, unfortunately, my relationships with my brothers is, is estranged. You know, um, one of, one of the fallouts from that is they all left the faith. Um, only my mother and myself are the last remaining Catholics. And when I say the last remaining Catholics, I mean, not only did they leave the faith and become ardently anti-Catholic, but their, their uh, offspring did as well. They, they cannot stand Catholicism. And I, I get that. I don't obviously don't agree with it because I'm Catholic, but I, they attribute in, in a way I kind of see it makes sense. It's kind of like the way I, I, it would have happened to me. If the Lord in, you know, um, in his wisdom, he didn't allow me to go down that road, but my, 
my brothers and their children, I, I think they look at Catholicism. They just, it's the, the, it is the reason why, you know. Um, it is what? I'm sorry. You kind of broke, broke up for a second there. It is the reason why um, my brothers are the way they are. They blame, oh. they blame the faith as opposed to what my father taught us, which is it's the fallen nature of man. That is what lets you down. And he would, he would tell us that all the time because it's the administrators of the faith. Don't forget that. I mean, I can almost say on his deathbed, he told us that. He would always tell us, don't blame them. He goes, the ones that are not practicing the faith faithfully, those are the ones that are corrupting the message uh, of, you know, the salvific message. And so I, you know, and I'm, by the grace of God, I, I got that. It, for some reason, when he told me that as a child, it stuck with me. I'm like, I get that. That makes sense to me. It's like, they're just not following the plan, you know, or obviously I'm simplifying it, but it's like, you know, you're giving a blueprint, you're not following it. It's not going to, the house is not going to stand, you know? Yeah. And so my father repeatedly would tell us that. And um, I don't know, for whatever reason, my brother's just, um, for one reason or another, you know, um, they, they couldn't, they couldn't make that, um, at least not fully, they couldn't distinguish between those, those two things. And um, I, I wonder to what extent, I don't know your brothers, but I've heard a few stories um, where I feel that people can use their pain and the fact that they were victims in, in some form and almost force a certain theology to make sense because it has to make sense because they if you renounce catholicism and you're struggling you're just saying it's wrong because of these guys mm -hmm. you've got to make peace with that either you leave christianity altogether or i wholeheartedly believe kind of force fit a theology or yes, this makes sense. Someone showed me in the Bible that there is a different way to look at things. So I'm going to cling to that mm -hmm. because the, the Catholic faith cannot be right because look how it hurt me. So in other mm -hmm. words, there's not this, um, a lot of the anti-Catholic rhetoric in my experience is grounded in pain and is not often grounded in, let me disprove every doctrine does that make sense? Yeah, it, it does. And I mean, I do have a couple of brothers who um, they're, you know, they're scholarly. I mean, they, they have studied their faith. They've studied what they believe to be the Catholic faith. And they will give you um, pretty good, um, a pretty good debate as to why you should not be Catholic. So they're not just Protestants in the sense where they just go to a non-denominational church. No, they're active. And but what I find interesting is that, and I've said this to my brothers and I know they don't like it, is they will hop from church to church to church to church. And, I, and I've called them out on that. I said, why? I go, what? It always seems to be something that that particular you know, denomination or, or church, I should say, is you're just not happy with. You know, the pastor starts teaching a certain theology or whatever. And you're like, yeah, I don't really, I don't, that's not for me. So then they skip to another one, right? And to another one, and to another one. And Are they all and under the same, would you say they're all under the same 
a denomination as they're jumping around or is it all kind of on the periphery they're all like okay we're all clearly sola scriptura so it's all good or what how did they there, do that well i would say that there's definitely some common denominators with them like the sola scriptura you know um once they've always saved but there are some i mean they they will they will um fight amongst themselves on certain things sure but what unites them, which to me is diabolical, is their hate against oh, the, Catholic the Catholic Church. Church. That's what unites a lot of uh, groups, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And, um, you know, it's, um, it, it's I, I've come to the point now where um, I, you know, I love my brothers. And like I said, I don't really have a relationship with them at all. Um, but I pray for them. Obviously, I love them. And I, I do want them to go to heaven. I want to go to heaven. And I hope I get to see them again. And we're reunited. But um for for the sake of my family my marriage and my children at this particular point because you know things could change i've decided to distance myself from them um because i just think that um i can't you know i cannot sacrifice my responsibilities my obligations as a father i should say as a husband first to my wife and then as a father to my children and so it's difficult, you know, I pray about it all the time. I struggle with that because I feel like I'm abandoning them, you know, and um, it, it is something that I literally have nightmares about sometimes as I wake up and I wonder, I'm like, oh Lord, you know, not that I think I'm better because I, I do think that some, some Protestants think that, oh, you know, you Catholics think you're better. And so I'm like, no, it's not that. I mean, persevere to the end, right? That's what um, St. Paul says. And I'm like, I just pray for them. And I'm like, oh, I just pray for them, for their eyes to be opened. It's always in charity. It's never a I'm better than you type of, you know, dynamic. It's never like that. Um, but it's, it's, you know, but I have hope, you know, because I know how lost I was kind of getting back to, to my story. Um, after, so my father, like I, like I mentioned earlier, uh, my father died in 1996. And so I was lost. I mean, I was, I think I was 20, 21. It was just like entering true like manhood. And um, I, I didn't have anybody anymore. Like my dad was everything to me. And I was very angry. I remember I actually blamed my brothers for my father dying. Even though he died of cancer, I thought in my mind, it was like the Lord, you know, you, the Lord took him away from us and it's your fault you know, and I blame them. So I, that all came back, all that, that hatred I was trying to suppress and trying to understand because of the, the abuse, it all came back to me. And it was, it was worse actually. And um, I just decided to do my own thing. I said, okay. And I'm looking back, I was mad at God too. You know, my father was dead. You know, my mother was a widow. Um, I was by myself. I have that, that man in my life to lead me to answer those tough questions. And so I, you know, I, I rebelled. I, I took it upon myself to, to say, you know what? I'm gonna live my life the way I want it to. I'm just gonna learn from all the mistakes my brothers did, but I'm gonna do what I wanna do. This is my time now. And so I did, you know, I started, you know, I, got, I really got into the party scene and you know, all that, everything that comes with that it was pretty bad. And, um, I just, you know, there were times though where I would have moments of clarity. I would actually come home from a club or something and I would get down on my knees and I would be praying because I knew, I knew I was doing something wrong. 
you know. Um, I, I'll never forget there was actually one time I was at a club and it was during uh, Lent. And, you know, it, it was, anyways, I remember there was a, a, a Protestant church. They were processing down the street, down all the clubs, down uh, was the second street in San Jose. And they passed, but they were reenacting Calvary. They, were, they had a guy carrying a cross, a huge cross. And I mean, he looked like Jesus. And they were basically trying to, you know, um, in their way to convey the, the salvific message and all that stuff. And I remember there was, there was a couple of times in my life where things happened like that, where I was like, this is, I, I got to do something. Something's wrong, you know, something's not right in my life. And um, so it, it took a long time. I wish I could say, you know, a year later or even sooner that I changed. No, that I, I would get back into my partying again. And um, until finally, it was just, it was just too much. I, I literally found myself on the streets of San Jose. And um, I, I think I told you the story. I, I met a couple. It was, they looked like homeless, but they didn't really look that homeless. I was wondering if they were like angels or something. Um, and, you know, I was um, intoxicated and stuff. And I remember just being in the dumps. And I was done, though. I, I didn't want this life anymore. And um, we started talking and stuff. And, uh, and I asked them, hey, you, you want to hear a song? And I said, yeah, you know that song, Hallelujah? And they're like, oh, yeah, we know that song. And I got to say, that was probably one of the most beautiful renditions of that song I've ever heard. Um, and I remember just feeling... It was like I was at the edge of being broken, but I wasn't quite broken. But when I heard that song, it just, that was it. I literally, I remember my shoulders dropping. And sorry, I remember thinking, I don't want this anymore. There's, I could feel, I, I, I remember at the same time, I could feel um, Christ pulling me and I couldn't, I couldn't resist it anymore, but it was a good thing. It was, you know, and uh, I remember the next day, I, I made an appointment and I went to, uh, to the pastor at St. Lucy's, which ended up becoming the parish. And actually the parish I ended up getting married at. And I had a confession. I had a two hour confession, at least two hours. I always felt bad for the priest because I could, I could talk a lot. Because <laughs> anybody who knows me, I can talk a lot. And so um, I confessed everything. I told him everything that I could remember. In fact, I remember, I think I wrote some stuff down and I read somewhere, you know, that, you know, obviously you want to burn that. So I remember I, I wanted to make sure I kept that because I, you know, I didn't want people to see that. I was embarrassed. But I confessed everything that I could remember. And I remember the priest obviously gave me absolution and um, I felt free. I remember feeling just this, incredible weight like I've never felt in my life and um and then I started the RCIA classes uh, shortly thereafter and um you know it was a journey I, I can't I'm not gonna say I didn't fall a couple times um but it was it was it was I always felt the Lord pick me back up right away it wasn't like before it was like no 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 you're come on let's go and I would get back up and then I was at a point in my life where I, I always wanted to get married. I always wanted children. But I remember, I remember uh, hearing the Lord speak to my heart, saying, 
I don't even want you to think about that. It has just to be me right now, Mark. And I was like, but I didn't want that, right? I was like, so I struggled. And then finally I said, you know what, Lord? If I'm going to be alone, then I'm going to be alone. But I, truly, I'm really not going to be alone because I'm going to be with you. And it was at that moment where I just, I was okay with maybe not getting married, right? I even thought oh, maybe I'll become a priest or something. And that's when I met my wife. And it was like, I think he, he just wanted to see, right? That I would put him first. I had to put him first because I really did it my entire life. And so as soon as I put him first, I met my wife. It was amazing. And I got to tell you, my wife is amazing. Um, she is, um, you know, if, if I could be um, half, half the man that she is uh, as a woman. <laughs> yeah, I, get I, mean, you. <laughs> I mean, she's, she's very, she's the most gentle soul you'll ever meet. And she really does bring out the best in me, you know, and, um, and I love her, you know, and she's blessed me and with, um, with four children, you know, we just had um, our son, uh, Michael David about, it's actually six months ago today. <laughs> oh, wow. So, yeah. Man, that went fast. What? I know, right? Six months. Yeah. That's why well, you can see his, his stuff back there. There you go. That, that, we, haven't we haven't taken it down yet. That's his welcome home, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but, um, you know, and um, it's, it's, Ava and I have had a very blessed marriage. Um, we have had a lot of things happen to us. But I got to say that our marriage has been, by the grace of God, just rock solid, you know. Um, and, you know, we're not perfect, obviously, but we're always seeking perfection in Christ. We, we, we pray every morning. We read the Gospels with our children. You know, we do our best to catechize them. And uh, we pray at the end of the night. We pray at meals. You know, um, we go to Mass, of course. Um, and, you know, we're, we're not perfect. You know that. But like I said, we're, we're always chasing perfection. We're always chasing the Lord. And um, it's, it's just, it's been beautiful. So it's been liberating, you know, for sure. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, you, you actually, man, <laughs> you, you tell a story really well, man. You really do. Um, I was thinking about that period of time when you you're in RCIA mm -hmm. so being raised Catholic you went to RCIA because you hadn't learned much as a child because there are different you know parishes no. do that in different ways they may say no you need to go to RCIA regardless um mm -hmm. hey it looks like you just wandered from the faith but mm -hmm. you clearly know the faith but how'd that all play out so, you know, it's funny. Um, I've had this conversation with my wife. Um, God, this, is, this is why, I, you know, Satan will never win. Because God can use anything, right? To, I mean, he wins in the end. We all know that. He's already won. He, he has, he, right? He, he has the victory already on the cross. And so the, the anti-Catholicism that my brothers exhibited even when I was partying and stuff, actually made me, there was always something that made me want to defend the faith. Even when I was partying, I was like, yeah, I don't think so. And 
I attribute that a lot to my father because my father, um, he studied the faith. He was a big follower of Venerable Bishop Fulton Sheen. He used to watch Life is Worth Living all the time. Um, he would talk to us. I mean, it's probably where I get, you know, the, <laughs> the trade of talking a lot is my dad would, could talk for hours about pretty much anything, but more about faith. He loved to talk about Catholicism and just about religions in general, but, you know, obviously about Catholicism, about salvation and how, I mean, he would really get in detail. And, you know, I, I think that's definitely one of the things that I missed out on with my dad is I, I was able to hear him more, but I was young. So I wasn't able to engage with him and bounce stuff off of him as a man or as a father. Even now, it's like, I wish I could say, you know, I, I, I call him Bob. I would say, hey, Bob, you know, how, how does this, you know, um, play out or how does this work or whatever? Um, what's really neat, though, is uh, my dad, he loved to read. And so because my brothers obviously were, um, you know, a Catholic, when he died, he had all his books and he loved to take notes. He was always writing in his books. And so one of the gifts for my mom is she gave me all his Catholic books. So I have his books. So it's really neat because I get to read a lot of his books and I see his notations where he'll say something. It'll be like, and he, and so my dad, it's funny, my dad used to be in the Air Force and he was a record keeper. And so he kept meticulous notes. That's just his nature. He actually worked for the county of Santa Clara as a, um, as a, in the records department. And so, you know, kind of play, I guess, to his personality. And um, so if you look at his, his books, he has tons of notes, you know, see page this, look at, you know, look this up in the Bible. And it's just so, <laughs> sorry, it's in a way, I feel like he's here. So when I see those books, it's like, oh, wow, this is what he was thinking during this particular uh, passage or, you know, I have a question about something so I can kind of reflect on that. And, and so it's pretty neat. It's pretty cool. That's um, incredible, man. Yeah. That is a gift from God. Yeah, it is. Definitely is. As opposed to what I've been doing in my books. I just, I, my writing is so sloppy. The kids would never even know what I wrote. <laughs> they, they would just be yeah. laughing at their father. But anyway, go ahead. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's a challenge sometimes though, because he, he kind of wrote like a doctor. So, you know, I, I can't always, it's hard to read sometimes, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I do my best. Um, but, uh, you know, my, my father, like I said, he, he, uh, he actually went, I, uh, one of these days I'll, uh, I'll show you the picture I have. He went to Lords. He was blessed to go to Lords because he was in the air force. So he toured he went to Germany, he went to France, he went, you know, and there's a picture of him. It's one of my favorite pictures. I, I wish I would have had, I would have showed you. And you could see Lords in the background and he's turned around and you could just see him. And I was like, wow, that's, that's really good picture of my father, you know? And, um, you know, he, like I said, he was um, very involved. He was very involved in, in our faith. And I would say this, if it wasn't for my dad's catechism, I would not have learned the faith as much as I'd learned, um, you know, or what, what, up until the point, obviously I went to RCIA. I mean, it, I grew up in the 80s, unfortunately, where, at least in my diocese, a lot of the catechism was filled with a lot of feel-good fluff and not a lot of meat on the message. And, um, 
And so I remember even at that um, young age, coming home and getting way more catechesis from my father. You know, he was very black and white, but not black and white in an uncharitable way. It was very charitable, you know. Um, I mean, he, he said he would say something that I say to this day is like, you know, when you're sick, you go to the doctor and you have cancer or something, you know, you really don't want the doctor to kind of tiptoe around. You want to, you want to cut that out if you can. And that's, that's the approach my father had. He would always say to you, you got to be charitable, do it with love. You have to do it with love. And so, you know, it, it took me a long time to do that because unfortunately what happened with my brothers made me very aggressive. So like, even now I have to fight that inclination of when I see an injustice or even, you know, someone's hurting themselves, I kind of want to just like, I want to go in an attack mode, not necessarily to attack the person, obviously I wouldn't do that, but to attack the sin, but it gets lost in translation because my, my passion or fervor to try to help him, I stumble over myself and it's like, oh, I can't, I can't do that. You know, I have to, I have to, not everyone, obviously not everyone is like me, you know, um, and so I, I, I'm still working through that. And I, I, I like to think I've gotten better over the years. Um, but you're but, saying that, but you're saying that, that, that intensity, that, that uh, zealous approach is because you yeah. love them. It's because. Absolutely. You, you Absolutely. Yeah. That's how it gets yeah. lost in translation because you're saying, I want to approach it in, in, as charitably as I can, but it doesn't come across that way. But I love mm -hmm. this person. That's why I want to confront them absolutely them. yeah i got it yeah and so you know like i said a lot of the times it just you know um i i also accept the fact that everyone has different gifts and i may not just be the person to talk to that particular person about um a certain topic right and the best thing i could do is pay for them maybe there's somebody else i have to have the humility to say i'm just not that guy sure. i can't connect with that guy or girl you know, it's just, that's not my place. That's not why the Lord put me in their life. Maybe it was just to pray for them, which is really the best thing I could do, right? Offer sacrifice for them, fast for them, you know? Um, it's, I think sometimes um, we all do, I know I do, is we want to do our own will. It's like, we justify it. Well, it's a good thing. So let's just go in there, you know, guns blazing. And I'm like, I, I can't do that. I know that now, you know, sometimes it's just, you can't, it's yeah. not your place or time. Maybe there will come a time later. Maybe there won't, but I got to pray for wisdom, right? And be able to discern if, you know, if I'm the person at that particular time. Yeah, exactly. Um, if you would like to, I'm curious. Um, yeah. If you're willing to share about your, your yeah. newborn and everything, yeah. how you responded in faith to a very, very different um, yeah, no problem. So um, our, um, my son, Michael David, who's named after St. Michael and King David, um, he was born. So let me kind of go backwards. So um, Ava, last Easter, and it's going to be early, um, she, you know, we were, she was pregnant. And last Easter, during, right after she received the whole Eucharist, we sat down and um, she started bleeding. And so uh, she told me, and obviously I took her, rushed her to the emergency room. And she was placed on um, like a high-risk pregnancy type of situation. Yeah. And long story short, 
Um, so she was basically going every week to the doctor to make sure that the baby was okay and this and that. And then in August, um, her water broke and the baby was early. It was like 20, oh, it was like 24 weeks, I believe. 24 and weeks, you said? I believe so. Yeah. Or is it 20? I have to check. <laughs> really, it was very, it was early. Yeah. And so, um, you know, I, we went to the hospital here in San Alphonsus and um, they told us, well, you know, uh, we're going to try to push every, we're going to try to keep her, keep the baby in the room for as long as possible, right? Because the longer she, the baby's in the room, the better chances the baby has. Yeah. And so we're like, okay. Um, they were testing her for COVID every three days. On the third test, we both tested positive for COVID. At the same time, it was unrelated, but at the same time, the, the baby's heart rate started um, elevating. And so they're like, we got to do an emergency C-section. And because I, would, I had COVID, they were actually, they told me, they're like, you have to leave. And I'm like, well, this is my son. Like, I want to see, you know? And so um, I ended up not having to leave. I think they took pity on me. And, or, you know, I, I like to think it was the Lord. Uh, but I was able, thankfully, to see my son be born. Um, I saw him literally first get second. They put him up behind the shield, put him in an incubator, rushed him off to the NICU. And so he stayed in the NICU for um, two months. And Ava and I were not able to see him for 14 days because of our COVID diagnosis. Um, at the same time, as I mentioned earlier, we have three other children. Um, my, thankfully, my mother-in-law was visiting at the time. So she took our three children back to California. Um, and, and then I had to leave the hospital. <laughs> and so Ava was at the hospital by herself, not being able to see Michael. I was staying at a hotel room because I had a quarantine and my children were in California with their grandparents. Yeah. And so the kids were up there for over two months, you know, um, we we're very blessed that my in-laws are both, both former teachers. So they were able to really handle that. They're used to dealing with, with small kids and stuff. And so that was great, but, you know, obviously very difficult for us. And then um, after the, the quarantine and stuff, um, Ava and I were able to go back into St. Alphonsus NICU and we were there every day, you know? Um, and then Michael finally was able to come home in late October. And so he was born, um, so Nikki B, I mean, I learned a lot of this because, you know, all, all the kids were full term. Um, he was really small. He was like three pounds, like 11 ounces, tiny. And um, he was born with a hernia in his belly button and some digestive issues as well. And so he was like on a feeding tube for a long time. And, you know, he had to learn a lot of things that I didn't realize how much newborns know when they're born when they're supposed to be born as opposed to preemies like even breathing like they have to learn how to breathe they stop breathing um so he was like on machines to monitor his breathing to make sure you know that um he was breathing the way he was supposed to be breathing and, you know it's, it's scary you know you see your your child with all these wires on him a feeding tube in his nose and um you know, and then there's nothing you can do you can't touch him because he's inside of this little incubator thing and uh, yeah, I mean, that was our life for, for two months. Ev and I went over there. And um, I mean, I, 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 the day he came home was just, oh, we were so happy. 
you know, and then of course shortly thereafter, um, our our three kids joined us, and we've been you know just adjusting. <laughs> it's it's been a lot. Um, I mean, I, I we're very grateful. Everyone at San Alfonsis was absolutely awesome. Um, you know, um, the the parish here, uh, St. John the Evangelist, has been awesome. The, the Knights of Columbus, the local chapter here, has been extremely awesome, charitable, and just very supportive. We've really been surrounded by a lot of, of the Lord's love, you know, so it, it's been great. So how, if you can go back to that, like you and your wife, those weeks and months without baby, how did that how did you guys bond over that period of time and, and how was prayer? I mean, I can only imagine um, the amount of faith <laughs> that, that has to yeah. be in play in those moments. And you, and sometimes you, know, you just say, why do we have to go through, and I'm not saying this is your story, but I often mm -hmm. hear that. It's like, what would it take to remind me how good you are, God? Why does it have to be something that's so catastrophic to where we return to him in humility and in obedience and like, here I am. Yeah. It has to be something that just breaks you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I have to say that, um, and I remember telling my wife this too, and this is kind of goes back to what I was saying is, you know, I always like to feel like I'm giving it a right hook to the, to the devil <laughs> because it's like he used what happened to me in my earlier life to show me that through great suffering, that's when God is most present. And so I looked back on the things that, the things that my parents went through, my mom and my dad with my sister who's special needs. I mean, she was severely mentally handicapped. So she was like a baby, but a big baby. And so I remember seeing their suffering and their marriage getting stronger. Even though everything was sometimes falling apart around them, my parents were like, to me, they were always that rock. Like there was nothing that would tear them apart. And so I remember thinking about that. So I remember reflecting on that and saying, wow, you know, I, I, I would pull strength from that. And um, um, I, would, I would have conversations with my wife. And I said, babe, don't worry about it. You know, we have to, God's going to see us through this. You know, and I'll share more specific stories about what happened with my parents and and um, she would tell me later that it really helped her. You know, she felt, she actually felt in many times that she was reconnecting uh, with my father who she didn't get to know. And, and that's one, you know, it was awesome. She would say, I wish I would have got to know your dad and this and that. She goes, but I'm, I kind of feel like I'm getting to know him through these stories. So I started sharing all those things. And, you know, we would pray, as you said, we would pray all the time. <laughs> um, and it was tough because we, so we actually moved from, uh, as I mentioned earlier, from San Jose, California to Boise, um, it was, oh gosh, let's see, it's been about a year and a half, more or less, maybe a little bit more, uh, but we don't know anybody here. And so we literally made a leap of faith and you know, people gave us a hard time. In fact, people were kind of whispering at the time, see, this is why you shouldn't have left. And I said, no, I said, I got to place my trust in the Lord. I trust in the Lord. He's going to see us through this. And he did. He placed people that, as I mentioned earlier, like the Knights of Columbus, um, uh, our, our pastor here, you know, uh, Father Mary, 
And it was just all these people coming, these instruments of grace, of God's grace that were just coming sometimes just at the right time, just when we needed something, whether it was a, a word of encouragement or, um, you know, just, just to call and say, hey, how are you doing? You know, um, introducing themselves, neighbors from across the street, you know, um, and it was just, it was amazing. I, you know, it's, yeah, it's indescribable, you know, um, and to this day, it's, 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 um, it sustains us, you know, because, you know, um, it's, uh, you know, I'm like right now, I'm, I'm still, unfortunately, I'm still unemployed, I'm looking for a job, and that's been a challenge into itself as well, um, but through it all, you know, the Lord keeps on providing, he just keeps on providing, and I have faith that, you know, eventually we'll find employment, things will turn around, um, and I mean, I always paraphrase scripture, so I don't want to butcher it, but I mean, where else am I going to go? Where, right? Isn't that where the disciples says, where else are we going to go, Lord? Yeah. You know, it's like, where am I going to go? So I'm going to, um, you know, I'm sticking it out with our, with, uh, with our Lord and our families. And, and, you know, it's funny though, during these moments, and I used to see this with my mom and dad too. We had so much joy. Our kids will do something where we're, we're exhausted. You know, maybe Michael had a really bad night of sleeping. Uh, but my other kids will just come and do something or laugh or play with us. And it's, it's just that little bit that you need. I mean, I think any parent probably knows what I'm talking about. It's a, a smile or a giggle or whatever, you know, as I know it sounds silly, but it's true. Yep. And it's just that reminder of ah, God is so good. Yep. These kids are joyous. They're happy. They don't know what's going on. They trust, you know, they, they trust in, in us, obviously. Yeah. And, um, and then we trust in the Lord, you know, and it just, yeah, it's amazing. Um, so it's, it's kind of just been, you know, what we've been doing and, um, yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Man. Wow. Wow. Um, and trying to bring the whole thing together. What else would you say? I feel like you've given so much advice already, but is there anything else that you would say to, there are a lot of guys like you and me, you know, how we were raised Catholic, left only to return with um, a lot yeah. of fire and this willingness to defend the faith. What message would you have for them and for those that, that come to this channel just trying to see, hey, is there truth here? Is there truth in the faith? Yeah, I would, you know, I would just say, obviously, first start with prayer. And ask the Holy Spirit to really, to really open your eyes, and uh, pray for that humility. To and, and then meditate and reflect on your life, and and ask the Lord to show you where He's been throughout your life. And and I, I do believe He will show you. He'll show up. He'll show you. Wow, I was here, here, and here, and you're going to be surprised because I know I, that's what I did is the times where I thought I was most abandoned were actually the times he was closest to me. And, and it's, it's true. It's absolutely true. His hand was there. You know, he was just present. And I think that, um, you know, it really takes a humble heart and a real sincere um, 
want, for lack of a better word, um, of, um, you know, you, you need to want that sincerely. And, and I, I really believe he will, he will answer you, you know, uh, just don't give up. You know, I mean, I, I, I've just shared a small portion of what's happened in our life. I mean, I, I can, if I had many more hours, I can tell you many more times where God has um, been present in my life. I mean, you know, even from our first child, um, we actually, um, my son, Luke, um, when he was born, that was an extremely difficult pregnancy too. Um, I had, I had my daughter, Grace, she was like the respite, everything was okay with her. And then we had our daughter, Faith, that was extremely difficult too. But I mean, this, and I wrote these down, there's like a bunch of stories that I've written and it's really, I'll be honest, it's unbelievable. Like you wouldn't believe it unless I told you or you knew us because you're like, no, there's just no way this could happen. Yeah. And so it's like, no, it, it had, it did. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> but um, yeah, just don't give up and um, ask, invite the Lord into your, into your heart. And, um, and I, I guarantee you he'll answer, absolutely answer. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I'm very blessed to have met you and to call you my brother. And you made me want to cry like six different times, um, which just means it's real. It's real life. And I appreciate you opening up like that and sharing so, so many crazy things. And like you said, that was just a fraction of it, but yeah, it's, <laughs> Yeah, it's a microcosm. So we'll say that represents how good God is and how much he loves his children. So anyway, um, with that, again, thank you, everyone. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please continue to share these videos. These testimonies uh, mean a lot to people, <laughs> people that need to find these videos. They need to hear the truth. They need to hear um, about Catholics that are on fire and those that know their faith really well. So um, yeah, share it, like it, comment, etc. Until next time, take care and God bless.